Artane podcast. Hey, Gengar Artane. I'm here to tell you about ABM Conversations, hosted by Yag Ganesh, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. His podcast helps B2B marketers and sales professionals explore strategies, tactics, and real experiments to drive revenue, customer engagement, and retention. He recently had an episode that fits right into our customer success sweet spot about how to create personalized content experiences in B2B SaaS, something that you all should check out. So go listen to ABM Conversations wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back with another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. And today I have a special guest. Uh, I'm going to go with Yag Ganesh. Is Ganesh the right one? Yes, Ganesh is the right one and Ganesh is my dad. Yes, you can call me Yag. Yag. So Yag um, is uh, is a special guest coming today, coming to us today. So he is the founder and has started a podcast called the ABM Conversations Podcast. Um, And then he also is the director of marketing at Avoma. Um, And so Yag, appreciate you hopping on and coming to coming to talk to us today. Hey Jeff, thank you so much for having me. It's super fun, and I'm super excited to be on uh, Game Two Retain and looking forward to this wonderful conversation. Yeah. before we jump in, um, I like to ask a couple of just quick hit questions, how we can get to know you and like, let's just call it like 30 seconds or less. So, um, do you have any, I don't know, do you have any trips or do you have any, anything coming up, anything planned that you're just looking forward to excited about like a a concert or a trip or a vacation or a dinner that's going to be exciting or some sort of like family event, like anything that you're just like, man, I can't wait. It's coming up here soon. Anything like that coming to mind? Or nothing like that immediately, but one thing I can definitely be happy about is uh, I just, uh, you know, I'm off of a Himalayan trek that happened a month back. And oh uh, that was something uh, really amazing. I waited for it for the last six months. And when it happened in December, that was the very first time ever I got to see snow. So it was amazing. That is super cool. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. We've been watching a lot of like Netflix documentaries about uh, like the Himalayan mountains and some of the um, quests that people have gone on uh, around those. So super cool. Um, uh, all right. Second question for you is, uh, how would you rate your day right now? Like one to 10, you know, how do you feel? How are you feeling today? Um, like, you know, and then give us a little color, you know, how come you're feeling that way? Like, what's the, what's the context? But I always like to ask people like, Hey, how are you feeling today? How, wh- where, where are we getting yag, you know, from a one to 10? Uh, you'll probably get an eight. Uh, I'm right. super excited, uh, because, you know, right now um, at Avoma, I'm in a role where I'm doing something uh, that is super exciting. Um, we are building the marketing team from scratch. I joined the company uh, in April 2021. I was the first marketing team member. And right now we have um, one more person along with me who works on the performance marketing side. But, you know, um, being just a two-member marketing team right now and the amount of things that we are accomplishing on a regular basis and the kind of growth that we are having. And in December, we uh, we hit our, uh, we got our Series A fund and it's it's been quite a phenomenal journey and any given day when i get up there are so many things to do and it does not overwhelm me but it's like there's something new that i'm going to learn today you know because every time i go take something to my ceo and he gives me a feedback it it always makes me kick myself and think hey why didn't i think of this so that's a beautiful place to be in yeah it is always learning i like that i like that um mindset mentality well um, I'm excited. You're getting like a, I'm, I'm pushing like a seven to an eight. So I'm feeling like same as you, you know, I'm excited. It's a good week. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you got some, we have, we have some good things going for ourselves and the community that we have. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, but we're, uh, so the, the fun part, uh, so the fun part is we got connected because we're both part of the HubSpot podcast network. So shout out to them They're They've connected us and, and we're getting the chance to, uh, kind of 
go on each other's podcasts when it, where it makes sense and around certain topics. And, um, you know, we're here today to kind of talk about the over the, um, to talk about the overlap between customer success and marketing. You know, you've got the, the marketing background and the angle um, that we're going to talk about today and, um, you know, bring some of the customer success side. So, um, you know, in, in your career, as you've, you've kind of, um, you know, gone into these, some of these organizations that you've worked in before, um, how, how have you seen kind of customer insights be shared? You know, I think uh, that's just something that comes to mind is that, um, I don't know, I've seen people take notes on their uh, on a notepad and they try and take a picture and send it to somebody, they might take notes in an email and send it, you know? And so, I don't know, it seems like there's all these disparate pieces, but, um, I think one thing that I've just noticed is how, um, that information always doesn't get shared to the right teams in the right ways. And so I'm just curious as you've kind of been in your marketing role, you know, how are you looking to get some of those insights of, uh, of customers and kind of what they're doing, you know, the kind of the current customers we have today, how, how are you doing that? Right. So I've been in marketing for the last uh, 13 years, and this is, uh, you know, by far the biggest problem that you could um, think about any given day, you know, uh, because unfortunately, um, when I look back at the last 10 years, I, I see that 90% uh, of the time marketing has always been working in some sort of a silo. Um, uh, to just give you an example, um, there was uh, in the in the very beginning of my career, I was an intern and I went into an office. I was reporting to, um, you know, the sales head. And, uh, you know, my first job was uh, more like an SDR. And what happened was we were part of a discussion, uh, a typical GTM release. So there was a lot of discussion about what the product should have, what kind of messaging and all of that stories. And towards the end of the meeting, my, uh, you know, the person I was reporting to, the VP of sales, he asked the head of marketing as to who is going to work on the content for this. And uh, the head of marketing very coolly replied that we have a couple of content folks, they can take care of everything. And to me, it felt, yeah, that makes sense. But the instantaneous question that the VP of sales asked him was that, hey, is this person who is not part of this meeting has never spoken to a customer, is he or she the right person to write this? I'm, I was like, wow. That, you know, in my very first role, getting insight, that yeah. kind of an impact, I was like, this is how you need to be thinking, right? And now today, till date, right, you know, when I look back at most of the companies, as you rightly said, people are either taking notes on, uh, you know, on the side and pen and paper, and it gets lost. There are, or, or there are certain teams that is going to be using a separate transcription tool and uh, then they have to upload it to another system or uh, there's the sales team who doesn't even have an idea as to this kind of content exists or there are these conversations between customers and uh, the customer success people and um, the product teams don't even know the kind of requests that are coming in or the kind of uh, conversations that these people are having. Marketers have no clue of anything. So right now there is so much of broken collaboration across all these functions and which is where I think the fundamental is to democratize that customer intelligence across the organization. So the number one thing that I got to see the moment I realized that, hey, you know what, there is something called conversation intelligence and um, you could leverage that and you could make that a common ground for the entire company. And that insight, when I looked at, um, you know, Avoma, for example, as a product in, uh, in April for the first time in 2021, I was like, yes, this is amazing. And the point I'm trying to drive through this is that, hey, if I can get to listen to a conversation between a CSM and a customer, um, let's say if it's a monthly check-in conversation or if it's if it's about a problem, how do you communicate, right? 
um can other people listen to it and understand what are the features coming in or let's say if somebody is complaining that hey i tried using your product i faced this problem and uh, how do i go about solving it are you documenting that and then putting it across or can you not simply just snip that 30 seconds of conversation and drop it on slack and say hey bro just let's fix it you could uh, accelerate all of these things instantaneously but still you know uh, this yeah. is this a problem in most organizations Yeah. I mean I I agree too. I mean I think the the a couple of the things I think you mentioned right which is um staying as close to the customer as possible is always a good thing. Like, you know, the closer you are, the insights you get, the types of conversations you can have. Um and I think too you start to develop relationships with certain customers that can drive some of the openness that I think you're talking about too, right? You I mean, you can't just you know, if you have a thousand customers, you can't just pick one out and and instantaneously have the right conversation, right? It's like no we've cultivated these things we have csms or customer success managers or sales leaders or whoever it is right we've got people who have cultivated relationships and if i can kind of key in and get an insight from listening to a call that they're having it's so good because the relationships already there they're they're willing more willing to tell us information that we need to hear maybe that we might not want to hear and so um yeah i think about that quite a bit and the the angle that i thought was interesting that you were talking through as well as is um kind of that first experience you had right is is like hey how are we using some of this intelligence to drive content or go to market strategy or um you know other elements of like you know customer success uh discussions that we might be having and so how have you seen that transition of like okay once we do have an insight once we do have something that is valuable or something that we feel like we can build around how have you seen that translate into an insight like how do you how do you um organize the teams or think about getting people to say okay yes we all agree that this is the right thing to go build content around or how how have you kind of seen that tra- that transformation i guess of like okay yes we we've identified the insight now we have to go translate that into content right i think that's an amazing question because you know what people forget is that when you have any conversation let's say you're having a meeting right so every meeting has three fundamental parts a set of things that you do before the meeting and set of things that you do during the meeting and things that you do after the meeting and um why i break it into three parts is that before the meeting you need to know as to how you need to prepare for that by preparation by preparation i'm not saying you need to script every particular word as to what you're going to say you're not going to read from a script but you know let's say a csm is going into a check-in conversation you know um he or she needs to know that five or six points that they need to hit on that particular call and um, if they are not very sure of that you if you cannot templateize that towards all the organization you're not going to offer the same seamless experience to the customers uh, you know you're going to have some csms who are great at it and then otherwise you're going to have other set of csms csms who are not there and there is this parity issue now during the conversation you don't want to offer that bad experience as in like you're talking to me and um, i'm having those awkward pauses taking those notes and i'm half listening half not listening and i'm not capturing enough of what you do and then on top of it i have to either go and update it on a customer success software or uh, you know a crm whatever is a centralized solution in the organization and then those notes disappear in thin air because we are not paid to do those manual work to go and update uh you know we don't want to do those uh, low value tasks and suddenly we lost we we lose a lot of information you know as as a marketer like say if if i want to look at product marketing and say that i go into the organization and look at the crm and look at okay what why have we lost certain deals and uh, if that note within the crm just says this one point saying that hey the the 
prospect found it too costly it doesn't tell me anything you know did they not see value in the product who were they comparing me with what was the issue nothing same thing happens with the customer success conversations now how do you translate this as an intelligence towards the entire organization is what you do is fundamentally you can record all these conversations transcribe it uh, get notes for all these conversations and then get an analytical aspect uh, cumulatively for all the conversations over a period of time so i'll give you an example what i mean by this is let's say your csm is having regular conversations with your customer and uh, that person is dealing with about seven or eight customers and similarly there are 10 other csms who are doing the same and now you look at a month's data in your uh, you, you know in your analytics dashboard and you realize that hey in the last 30 days out of all these conversations there have been these three or four features that have been consistently requested by our customers now that thing you can go and communicate to your product manager or you can communicate those issues to your support person and get it fixed or whatever the thing is right but if these people have access to this information across the organization regardless of whatever their functions are people are going to work towards that in unison you know we as an organization are going to run towards um, the goal the same way we are not pulling the car, car in two different directions and uh, wondering why things are not moving so the product manager looking at this dashboard without even listening to the call they can look at just this dashboard and say okay these are the five features that i need to be prioritizing this quarter and let me make sure that i solve all these problems same thing happens with somebody in uh, customer support you know um instead of uh, me documenting this entire piece of conversation and then putting it into a github or uh, you know uh, filing a ticket inside the organization i can just drag and drop this snippet of 30 seconds and the person knows what to fix so that is how you can democratize all of these things and as a marketer i can look at something and i realize okay this is something that every customer is talking about asking about why don't i write a piece of content from that perspective you know instead of writing for a prospect and guessing what he or she might want i know what people are asking for i i have access to this information i can listen to their emotion and i can exactly talk to that getting your business running in ship shape isn't as easy as clicking a button but it is as easy as implementing a crm platform that's purpose built for you and your business Other CRMs can be cobbled together from disparate systems, but HubSpot is carefully crafted in-house for enterprise or scaling businesses alike. Its suite of operations and sales tools work together seamlessly so you and your team can focus on optimizing the customer experience. For all my ops folks out there, the sandbox feature lets you test and iterate workflows, web pages, and integrations before going live so your customer user flow is perfected before it gets into production. For the sales teams, team email lets you turn customer emails into tickets or send them straight into your shared inbox, keeping everyone on your team in the know at all times. Learn how to grow better by connecting your people, your customers and your business at hubspot.com. Yeah, it it reminds me too of of how there um there are so many signals that people I think forget about when you're thinking about content creation and how we can benefit customers at the end of the day. So, like perfect example like you said of this one of hey we're we've already ha- we're already having calls we're already having interactions with our customer success managers like how do we harness that data um another example is communities right communities if i have a customer community there are people talking about things already today and if i can just go pick off the top 3 4 5 things they're talking about and create content around it then it probably becomes really valuable um and so there's all these pieces that i feel like people sometimes forget about right they just kind of um 
maybe they don't, they don't necessarily always think about the data that's available from these types of interactions and things that we're having with customers that can drive the type of output. Because at the end of the day, I love what you said earlier, right? Like we have to be producing content that people actually want and need and is going to be helpful to them. And so like an example there, you know, um, one of the things that happened was like every day when I go out for a jog in the morning, I listen to a couple of these calls. I handpick a couple of calls, just looking at the summary and okay, this one is interesting. Let me go and listen to this. And in one of those calls, it so happened that um, we have something called filler words in our product, which, which kind of captures the filler words that somebody uses on a call. And um, for example, the filler words that I use the most is, you know, (laughs) <laughs> so, yep. so I, and the, the fun part was when I listened to that call, this prospect was asking to my A and the question was like, Hey, I understand that you're able to capture these filler words. And there is a leaderboard of this filler words as to who is using the most number and what are the kind of filler words and blah, blah, blah. But does using a filler word, you know, does it have an impact on uh, winning or losing a deal? And I was like, wow, that's an amazing question. You know, I never thought about it and there is no real, uh, data that I have immediate access to. So as soon as I came back home, um, you know, I requested for some data from my team and we got access to about a million calls that we had over the last four years. And, uh, you know, we could just run some analysis and we figured out that there are three pointers. One, just because somebody uses filler words, they don't necessarily win or lose a deal. Uh, yep. So, uh, and, you know, again, uh, we did not want to uh, plastically add some uh, concocted data. So this was the fact. And the second thing that we realized there was that, but if you used about 70% filler words for every hundred words that you speak, then you're giving a very bad experience because you come across as either underprepared or nervous or not sure of what you're talking about. And the third thing that we figured out was if you're hundred percent perfect, still it, it comes across as too plastic, too practiced, and it is not real. So that one to two percent moderation of filler words kept things real. So I wrote a blog about all of these things. And then I looked back at Hrefs and I was able to see that the the uh, keyword filler words itself had about 4,000 searches per month or so. Tried to marry these two. And that became a killer blog. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Similarly, uh, you know, there were uh, two uh, competitors that, you know, for in, in the space that we are in, Gong and Chorus are two competitors that are quite popular. And one of the things that I realized in every call is that people are asking, I mean, people who are buying Gong are evaluating Chorus and vice versa. Now I realized if this is the data that I can see on a regular basis, instead of writing a blog where I can say Gong versus Chorus versus Avoma, which by default on the site of Avoma looks biased, I'm like, I'll not write about Avoma. I would just you know, very seriously do a proper evaluation between Gong and Chorus. And I'll write a detailed blog about where these two are and how they stack up against each other. And that was a 3000 word detailed blog, 100% focused on that particular product. Because when I Googled it, the the thing that I found was 90% of what I found there was either G2 or uh, some of these uh, Captera and TrustRadius, those kind of review sites. And there was nobody who had done this in-depth analysis. And the moment we offered that, and, and if you go just by data, the point is the search volume for Gong versus Chorus was like under 100. I was like, this does not make sense. But we were like, we know if something is happening, this is the reality. Let's go with the gut. And we went with it. And today, um, you know, believe you me, every month we are able to close at least five or six deals just from that one particular blog post. 
That is crazy. Wait, so what's what do you think attributes to that? Do you think that people are legitimately looking for unbiased kind of, hey, this is an actual, like, do you think, like you said, right? A lot of the, I've actually thought about this quite a bit before too, which is that um, as customers are doing research, right? Like they're becoming smarter, right? We're not, they're yeah. no longer tricked by the, um, the G2s and the foresters and like the stuff of the world where they've all started to pick up that mainly these places are pay to play, right? They're mainly, there's something behind the mechanism, right? We're not going to invite, we're not going to invite like customers who are upset to go write a G2 review. It's just, you know, we're not going to do it. And so you're not going to see, you're not going to, you're going to see very little of them. Right. So like the, um, so, you know, the buyers are becoming more savvy. And so I would imagine like the, the thesis, right. Is like, they're already going to be looking for, uh, they're already gonna be looking for gore, chorus and gong um, analysis back and forth, right? And so um, I might as well give them what my opinion is and not even include Avoma because then it makes it I, I at least- I did speak seem- about Avoma in that blog post, but it was not like, you know, um, there was probably, I would say in that entire scheme of things, it was less than 10% of the content was about Avoma. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just, I said, uh, hey, if you are this, um, go for gong. If you're this, go for chorus. Um, you know, if you want X, Y, Z, then uh, look at Avoma. Again, the see, the, the fundamental fact, as you rightly said, you know, people are looking for neutral information. The thing is, when I'm trying to make a decision, when I'm trying to buy, the moment I, I'm looking at factors, even involuntarily, and if I see that, okay, this, this, this company is trying to one-up the other, and they are trying to just up-talk themselves, I'm already mentally rejecting that. I, I want yeah. to read something that gives me value. And that helps me in making that decision. And then, see, the problem we were trying to solve there was this. You know, um, back in the day, um, people did not know the existence of Avoma. And if we could do that, we thought, let's let's take one step further and let's start improving the brand presence. And this was in, in December um, 2021, we raised our Series A. But until then, we were also a little bit cost conscious. And we were like, hey, let's, whatever we do, we need to do it smartly. And we yeah. don't have a ton of cash to just uh, blow up everything on PR and whatever. So we were doing every single thing in a thought out manner and making sure that whatever energy is spent, because unfortunately with content, um, what happens is you write a piece of content, you, you probably are spending a week producing a best piece of content. And if it's not seen by the right kind of people, um, you know, at best you get about 200 to 300 people reading it and then the value is lost. Nobody is looking at it anymore. So we needed to make sure that we are making um, sense to who is coming in, and then they have some interest in them to spread the blog post or content to others, and the value grows from there. So we we had to manufacture or find out opportunities for that virality at the same time, making sure that it is useful and not viral for the sake of being viral. Yeah. The other thing that you just mentioned that um, um sitting here thinking about as well is, is you, you know, we've kind of talked about this idea of, of building content from these insights that you can gather, right. As you start listening to these calls, you start looking at other data pieces of community, there's probably support tickets, there's um, NPS data, there's CSAT, right. There's all these mechanisms that you can probably pull down and start looking at, okay, how can I build content that makes sure and, and hits on these pieces. But you, you mentioned the distribution of that content, right? Like once I create a piece of content, doesn't mean somebody's going to come to it. And so how have you thought about distributing that content to your customers? Is it, you know, through a blog? Do you then um, look at emails? Do you have in-product notifications? You know, how, how have you thought about just distributing? Hey, I've already, once I create something, I got to go make sure I can drive 
people to it. Um, so have you thought about that for your customers? Right. So every piece of content or anything that we create is created for a particular kind of audience. So, you know, you cannot push everything through the newsletter or through in-app messages. Uh, once you, you know, because anybody who's giving you permission to communicate to them, and once you start spamming them, then you're going to lose trust. And, um, you know, as a growing organization, um, let's say, even, even if I give you email as an example, right? So the, here's, here's a wonderful conversation that I once had with my uh, CEO early in my, uh, you know, in my times at Avuma. The thing was, he asked me, Hey, Yag, what do you think is a good email open rate? And I was like, anywhere between, um, you know, 30 to 40% is good on an average. And, uh, he was like, yeah, but from an industry standpoint, it makes sense. But for Avuma, if you think about it. We are a small growing organization and, um, you know, if only about 30% of the people are opening those email and with whatever minimum contacts we have, and uh, if you're already burning those bridges, you are significantly reducing the, the, you know, set of people that whom you can go and reach out to and talk to. So you need to make sure that that trust is not lost at any cost, right? So every piece that we develop is thought out from who is this for and um, are we answering every possible question that they might have and sometimes it's okay to not talk about the product but genuinely try and solve their problem and then you look at where are these you know lookalikes of these people existing you know find out those communities and find out those uh, different forums and uh, you know go and share the content with them sometimes you know it could also be that when I'm working on something, I even include people in the ideation to think about, hey, what are the kind of things that you would like to be answer as part of this? I'm working on something like this. And then sometimes I get 50, 60 um, comments from different people saying that, hey, uh, yeah, why don't you look at this angle? You know, this is something that has, uh, that has been bothering us for quite some time. It would be nice if we can have a solution to that. Now, I already have a set of 50, 60 people to go back to and say that, hey, you know, you asked for this. I have this take a look and let me know what you think. And the moment they see the right answer to that, or at least satisfactory answer to that, and they feel, okay, this makes sense. Then they start sharing it internally. Um, we've also seen where people include it in their own newsletters without even asking. And sometimes I get a ping saying that, hey, I included this in a newsletter. This is going out to over 3000 people and magic happens, right? So, and then you can repurpose that into a, a podcast conversation. You know, today I spoke about those filler words. I spoke about some of the things, how I wrote, and that is coming out. So you can find opportunities, but as long as you're adding value to the right people at the right time and not spamming them for the sake of your distribution, you're good. Yeah, that the uh, the point that you just mentioned too about uh, there's two things that, that come to mind for me. So one, about when I think about distribution is, is I think like you said, including some... Um, I, I think about including some people that, you know, are yeah. energizers Making that, you know, will share process. content. Yeah. yeah. That gets you excited, that get excited about it. They like to be a part of it. So they're going to share it. So, um, finding people, I think not only internally at your organization, but also bringing in a few customers every once in a while to kind of look at some of that stuff. Hey, we're creating this piece of content. What do you think? Um, and they feel, they now feel part of it. They kind of lift it up. So I think that's definitely one. The and, second, and which I think time it can be outside of your uh, work area as well. You know, for example, recently um, we, we, I mean, we built our own internal referral system, right? So it was a product that we bought from the outside, but we had to go through a lot of process to figure out how should the referral system be built and what should happen. And when we went out, we saw that most of the referral tools that are available were more uh, e-commerce oriented and not SaaS oriented. And we figured out a lot of problems. And the moment we put this out, 
In fact, the same day, I got about at least uh, 25 people reaching out to me saying that they were looking to solve the same problem and they found this interesting. And some of them even set up calls separately to understand that how we went through this entire process so that it would help them to set up their referral system as well. So you you start building those relationships through content. And you know, I can probably call it content-based networking. Yeah. The other the other piece that you just mentioned too that I thought was around that was that. Um, thinking about how to repurpose or dip or take different, um, uh, channels of how you're going to distribute that content. So one might be, you know, that we're creating a podcast and we record something. Um, I've seen people use a product like loom and do make, make little five minute loom videos that we can send yeah. to customers or your blog or an email that is really well-crafted a community message. There's so many. Um, and I, I think about that quite a bit and it, it reminds me of the point you made earlier, which is a lot of times I think we, we lose sight of the fact that only 30 to 40% of our customers might see an email and it's probably less than that, right? Only 30 yeah. to 40% might see a blog article or whatever. And so it's okay to repurpose things. Uh, it's not okay to blast somebody the same, the same person, like eight times the same thing. That's when it gets, <laughs> you know, unnecessary. Yeah. But I think it is like, if you can craft a blog and then you can think about a podcast and then you can think about a five minute video and all these things, it's okay to kind of push those different mediums to customers in different ways, because um, they're not all going to get in on the first one. But I think, I think there's a lot of apprehension for people thinking about that, um, that think about, you know, oh, we're, well, we've already talked about that in a blog. Why do we need to talk about it over here? And it's kind of like, the, I think what you were talking about earlier, right? Like not all customers see all things. And so you need to be able to diversify how you're, how you're talking and what you're saying. Um, and if you can do that well, then it becomes valuable. Then you can start pushing it through different channels. So I just think about that quite a bit too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, also to tie back to, uh, you know, think about this from a customer marketing perspective as well. What happens is, uh, you know, 90% of the time, uh, marketers are always thinking about a prospect and trying to communicate to them. And there is very little communication that happens, you know, that's helping your existing customers, right? So um, many a time, again, as I said, uh, you could look at different sources, uh, different ways of communicating with them, but also understand what their problems are and talk about things that matter to them rather than saying that, hey, this is my content strategy. These are the 10 things that I want to talk about this quarter. And I will make sure that I'll push this in all possible corners of the world. And it doesn't help anyone unless you understand who is it for, how does it help them? And why, and, and more importantly, the, the most fundamental question is, why does it give, you know, why do you have the authority to talk about that particular topic? Have you done any experiment by yourself? Have you done, uh, you know, have you had some customers who's, who's doing that? Or are you in that space? Because we can always find thousands of articles and do a respin and try to rank. But if there is no authenticity to that content, you are not building trust. Yeah. That is the authenticity and trust is the part that, uh, and it, it takes, uh, you know, years to build that. And then one, one second to lose it, you know, if you <laughs> exactly. think about it the wrong way. Um, I wanted to transition just for the last couple of minutes that we're here and just talk through, um, your podcast, the, the ABM conversation podcast, and, uh, maybe just give us a glimpse of kind of what it is and how you started it. I always love those stories. And then I've got a couple of things I just wanted to ask you about it, but, uh, but yeah, give, give us a little backstory on, on your podcast here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we started this podcast, the ABM Conversations podcast, we started on December 10, 2019, just before the world broke loose with COVID. 
Um, yep. And um, it was an amazing journey. Um, and but uh, the most important th- part about this podcast is it was born out of frustration. I was listening to uh, several podcasts during my commute in the pre-COVID days, and forty-five uh, minutes to one hour of uh, listening to that and just getting under five minutes of value was really, really frustrating. I was not interested in what coffee somebody had or uh, you know what what college they went to and what they uh, what kind of internal joke that they have that nobody other than those two get. And then I was like, when I start my podcast, I want to make sure that if somebody's giving me 45 minutes or one hour, I will make sure that I will provide some useful content in a way that is actionable to them. And uh, which means I might not know all the answers. I will bring in the right kind of people uh, and not go after big name guests right away, but think about who's the right person to talk about a particular topic in a way that they can go deep. So for the first 13, 14 episodes, we did not even have guests. From there, now looking back two years, uh, you know, close to 115 episodes now. And uh, we've had people like Seth Gordon, Guy Kawasaki, David Cancel, Rand Fishkin, you name it in the world of marketing and sales. They've been on the show and it's been a rewarding journey that way. How, yeah, that is such a cool, um, I love your aspect just because I think we've thought about the podcast and, and we've thought about our podcast for Gengar Attain in a similar way of how can we drive actionable insights for people? How can we talk about things that, you know, they can go feel like that they can implement or change themselves. Yeah. And um, so we've tried to get people that are very close to being kind of practitioners that are in there every day doing it. Um, you know, um, curiosity from my standpoint, how did you, you know, how did you work up the the courage and how did you go out and, and reach out with some of these people, you know, like a guy Kawasaki and a Rand Fiskin, you know, those are, I, I've been following marketing, you know, my life too. And I know that those are some big names. So how did you, how'd you come about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, it's it's not as rosy as it sounds. For example, uh, the first time I got in touch with Seth Gordon was in uh, 2009. And uh, the time I had him on my podcast was 2021. So <laughs> it was 11 years of being in touch. See, uh, and sometimes it's also a work of serendipity. Uh, and most of these people, I did not have a lot of previous connects. It was cold outreach. Um, but the fun part was... Uh, Say, um, you know, we, we were having one of those AMAs where uh, Guy Kawasaki was talking um, and um, because my name was unique, he called me up on stage, uh, you know, on Clubhouse and um, I happened, I got a chance to ask a question to him. And um, the same day I emailed him saying that, hey, I'm that guy who spoke to you today on this podcast uh, and I want to do an episode specifically on product evangelism. Would you like to talk about it? And uh, same thing happened with uh, Rand Fishkin. Um, I followed his work for a lot of a long time. And uh, as soon as he was starting this company called SparkToro, which he currently runs, and uh, I reached out to him in the early days of SparkToro. And I was like, um, Ran, you might want to uh, promote your new company. Uh, and uh, I want your insights on the show. So I think it's a good match. Do you think uh, this makes sense for you? And that conversation started. Same thing with David Cancel. With David Cancel, it was more like I had all of these conversations previously done. So I could, because... Unlike all these people, say, uh, you know, DC had a team who was looking after his emails. So breaking through them and reaching him was not easy. So I could show them and say that, hey, these are the kind of people that have been on the show so far. And I would uh, like to have DC as well. So what do you think? And they were like, oh, this seems like a great fit. So different strategies work for different people. But it's it's been a lot of, uh, you know, uh, back and forth and learning from so many mistakes. So think of this like being a swan, you know, it looks like gliding smoothly on the top, but I'm pedaling vociferously <laughs> under. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, the couple of things that I took out of that though, it, it seems like uh, one thing that's really worked out for you is just being your being authentic. You've mentioned this earlier too, but like, you know, it sounds like in a lot of those outreaches, right. You're, you're very transparent and saying, 
brand. I know you have a new company. You might want to promote it. Here's what I, I want your insights on my show for my audience, right? There's, there's a win-win here. And I think sometimes people shy away from that, but if you're up front, just kind of say, Hey, here's what I'm looking to get, get out of this. Here's what you're going to get out of this. Uh, I think it goes a long way, but I think that authenticity definitely stands out um, from what yeah. you mentioned. And I think the, the other thing is just being opportunistic and putting yourselves in those like you were able to, um, to get on stage with Guy Kawasaki because you were there, right? You were in that, you're in the room at the right time. And so I think that is another thing is just being opportunistic. So are you in the place, are you in places that are going to bring luck and bring opportunity to you? Um, so those are two things I just took out of that, but, um, uh, that's super cool. Thank you so much. You know, it was fun because, uh, you know, uh, because I started my career in sales and it, it also, uh, I, I lost that bit of shyness because I had, as, as, as a person, I'm an introvert, but still, you know, when I'm in front of the camera, I'm happy talking to people. I'm, I'm uh, more than happy to connect with people. So that thing came along, but yeah, it's, it's been exciting. And the way I think about it is again, um, there are a lot of people who are listening to the show and um, it might not be you know, massive 100K, 200K followers, uh, you know, it might be just about 30, 40K. But the beauty of uh, the followers is such that people come back and write to me this long DM posts where they say, hey, Yag, I heard this particular episode and, um, you know, I agree or very much disagree with what this person said and because I believe in this. And to me, it's like, hey, somebody has taken out the time to do that. Uh, and they have written such an in-depth thing, which means they are so much invested in the podcast. And I see that these people go on to promote the podcast episodes so much in their network. And I'm like, I have to do justice by bringing in the best possible content episode after episode. And um, whoever it takes, whatever it takes to make sure that we get the best content, I will reach out to them because these people believe in me. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, I love, I love that too. We used to Jay, who co-founded this community with me, we used to talk about how we would do things that don't scale, um, which yeah, kind of scares exactly. people. But I would, I would like every person that joined the community, I would send a personal email to whoever followed us on our LinkedIn page. I would send a personal message to, and people said, well, that can only last for so long, which is true. But at the same time, like those early people remember that. And that's how you get some of those early evangelists to kind of hop on board and get excited. And then they want to share it and they're part of it. So um, I love that example too. Um, awesome. Well, I know we're, we're coming to the end here. And so I want to give you an opportunity to, um, you know, if people want to find more of, of, of Yog and uh, where you're at and, and what they can do with your podcast, where, where can they find more? All right. So the most easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn. Just type Y-A-A-G and uh, my name is hard to miss. And uh, my podcast is the ABM Conversations podcast. You can get it wherever you listen to your podcast. It's pretty much available on, on all podcasting apps. And um, for uh, connection, you can also reach out to me on email at yag at avoma.com. It's A-V-O-M-A, which is the company that I work for. And in case you're wondering what the term Avoma means, it's an acronym for a very organized meeting assistant. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's cool. I like that. Um, awesome. Well, Yag, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, today, I think we hit on a couple of things to me that just seem to resonate with our audience, you know, thinking about how do you look at really translating some of those customer insights into content? Um, what are the different ways that you can do that? How can you think about socializing those? Um, I think we talked about content and the creation of it. So how can you create different mediums or channels? How can you create uh, blogs and then videos and potentially like leveraging podcasts and other things, right? How do you kind of get that, that word out? Um, I think we hit on a little bit of distribution. So how do you make sure and push it to the right people at the right times? Um, how you make sure you get it in front of the right audience. 
Um, and so, and then kind of wound up with your, your podcast and some of the things that you've been able to do, which is, is pretty cool. So, um, I'm excited. I think this is a pretty good, pretty good episode for everybody. I think there's some good insights in here and, uh, appreciate you sharing. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun talking to you. I didn't even realize that we spoke for about 45 minutes. It felt like five. So this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It goes by quick. All right. Well, uh, I'm excited because I get to, I get the opportunity to come on, on your podcast and, uh, be a guest, which is. Uh, not normal for me, you know, normally I'm a host. And so I'm excited for that opportunity uh, here very soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. And I need to prepare properly for that. <laughs> awesome. All right, we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you so much. You have a good rest of the day. And thank you all who are listening to this. Hey, everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community. And we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.